0: And we have an announcement! We've joined the Fan First Sports Network, and with that, we also share our podcast feed with Around the Nest. Hosted by Leo, who you may know as Minor Leaguer on Twitter, he chats with the voice of the Blue Jays Minor League affiliates about all of the prospects in the organizations. You can find their episodes the same place you find ours. And also, keep up with them at, 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 aroundnest on Twitter. Welcome to the party! You're bringing snacks! Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 267, where April wins bring May losses. I am, as usual, your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as ever, by the disappointed Joshua House. Josh, how's it going tonight?
1: Well, I'm re- We're recording this after the second era of the inning and fourth of the last two innings of the current Jays Red Sox game, the last of the series, so you can probably guess. I feel like it was before Gamer. Oh, then okay. Then it's, it's going to get worse tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, there we are.
0: There's that pessimism. It I'll,
1: can't actually get worse. I mean, they're <laughs> only, like they're only losing by two, and that that's kind of that's going to become a theme. Of what we're going to talk about in this episode, but it's oh boy.
0: <laughs> well, we will talk about the good. Uh, then we will talk about the bad, and then we will talk about the ugly. Which I guess tonight is the the epitome of ugly. Um. And we will take your questions, of course. Uh, and uh, we're we're going to probably have to outlaw a certain question that comes up every week
1: <laughs> pretty soon. We're not going to make it a regular feature at this point.
0: Yeah, either either the, yeah, Either yeah. we outlaw the question or just make it a feature so you people don't have to keep asking. All right. Let's start with the good, Josh, because believe it or not, uh, the Jays won three games since our last podcast, although it feels like that may have been several months ago. Um, Kevin Gaussman. That boy knows what's up. <laughs>
1: He sure does. Uh, So this was almost the start of the frustration. It ended in a really cool win. But uh, it was the last game of the – or the second game of the Mariner series where the Jays were getting stymied. No hit for six innings, (laughs) six and two-thirds by a very bad pitcher. But uh, thanks to Kevin Gossman, they were able to hold on and win the game next year inning because he just – dominated the Mariners with 13 strikeouts in over seven innings and no runs, obviously.
0: Yeah, uh, six hits. Did he, did he issue a walk? One he did, walk? yeah. One. one walk. 13 to one strikeout to walk ratio is you can hang your hat on that any day. It was really crazy to see zeros going up and it was like, oh, well, the, the Mariners have six hits, but they really don't, they never put anything together. It, it was just as soon as they got a hit, uh, he went back into strikeout mode. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, and he had that really key pickoff at second base with uh, it was Julio Rodriguez was up, first and third, two out, and I think it was a three zero or no, maybe Julio Rodriguez was on deck, but it was a three zero count, and <laughs> he picked, got the pickoff at second to end the game, which is a great, play, uh, great call. I think Jansen actually called the play with the pitch come, uh, and you can see him. It, it was definitely a timed play because Jansen dropped the glove and. That was when Gossman spun for the pickoff, but it was it was gorgeously done. And that was the only time that the Mariners really had any offense going at all. And there's just really not much else you need to say about it. He just dominated them from the whole from the first pitch to when he left after seven. And that's been Gossman pretty much all season, except for that one random start against Houston. It's kind of amazing that he has to start where he gave up seven in four and two thirds and his ERA is (laughs) 2.33. Well,
0: yeah, and if you – it wasn't even that whole start. That was literally one inning. One – Yeah, the first cr- inning. Crazy, horrible inning. It doesn't make any sense at all uh, that he had that inning. But, I, I, yeah, like you said when I asked last time, that sometimes stuff happens in baseball. Um, so, yeah, Gauss was great. And then they managed to pull it out of the fire with the big one nothing
1: exciting <laughs> victory. Yeah, I mean, Varsho came up big. And, yeah, as you said, it was like they have won three games. They won 8 nothing with a great Kikuchi start, by the way. We should mention that, too, against the White Sox. And then they won the first Mariners game 3-2, uh, which it was a an oh, eh, a mediocre Manoa start, but great bullpen work where they struck out eight over four innings. So we need to give those kudos before we move on. I just yeah had to, had, had to mention those.
0: Yeah, it's 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 you can obviously see all of the parts of this team uh, when at you know their middle to better better performance level, you know fifty percentile and above what you would expect out of them. Uh, this is a really good team. They're tough to beat. Uh, they can beat you in multiple ways, right? Home runs or a, a lot of uh, fundamental baseball or really really dominant strikeout oriented pitching. All of those things. And yeah, well let's talk about some other good things before we get to the problem with the Blue Jays. Um, Dalton Varsho finally seems to have got his timing sorted a little bit. Um, I was listening to Joe Siddall talk about it, about how he he's uh, not stopping and starting in his uh, his attacking of the ball. He's finally confidently able to time up one fluid motion, and it has resulted in some power that uh, we hadn't really seen much at all.
1: Yeah, he has been getting beat up with fastballs an awful lot it almost seemed like there was just a hole that had developed uh but he's closed it i mean he's got two more home runs since
0: and, a and double. he's got
1: yeah obviously and then that game-winning laser against the mariners that counts as a single but definitely would have been a double it went over to oscar's head in the outfield and with virtual speed there's no way that's not a double and yeah so the double in that game and then he got a huge home run against the Red Sox in uh, either the first or the, or the second game of the series and then again in the third game so if he can get going um Jays fans might not be as aware but when Varsho got hot with the Diamondbacks he was scorching hot just destroying baseballs for the entire second half basically last year so if he can find that earlier it's it's going to be very important for the team
0: yeah there there are a ton of runs still in this lineup um if it you know if it balances out the right way uh we saw tonight vlad hit a home run that left the the ballpark the almost left the parking lot um there was an argument you know a, a joking somewhat argument but that if if the wind was from the south that it may have hit the train tracks um so, and we haven't seen Vlad's power much this year. 4 home runs is not a lot in a month and a, and a couple of days for him. Um Bo Bichette is a hit machine um and Matt Chapman, which is why I'm sort of leading into this, was player of the month. So, if if you can get George Springer back to again, the, the middle of where you might hope George Springer was performing and you can get Alejandro Kirk to do something other than walk and you can get Danny Jansen, you know, consistent at any point there's a lot of runs to be scored. You don't have to be perfect with the pitching. Um, but that's not where they're at right now. They just don't have all the pieces doing all of the things. Or they don't have enough of the pieces doing enough of the things at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've had some games where they've actually scored a bunch of runs. But the but the rest of the thing hasn't worked. <laughs> like, even in this game that we're we're recording during right now, the Blue Jays have three runs through five. Like, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> Normally, that should be enough to be at least tied but and they did leave a first and third nobody else situation and not score but still three runs through five and they you know they had some higher run games against seattle and, and in one of these boston games but it has not gone together
0: no um and and again this is a team that has uh you know an over 600 winning percentage so they have done things right through most of april but it looks like all of the it's it's like when you drop a bag of marbles and you're trying to chase all of them at once it really looks disorganized that's how I feel watching the blue chase right now it's it's like oh we we got a couple hits but uh, oh no the pitching is all over the place and and walking people and oh no the reliever we brought in just gave up a home run for like the third game in a row etc etc Matt Chapman don't care though Matt Chapman is 219 WRC plus still it's not bad. <laughs> Every time he does something good, I'm like, oh, that's Chappie. I mean, what else? Such a turnaround from the guy we saw last year who wasn't bad. I mean, it, there was, there was nothing, nothing horrible about Matt Chapman last year, but it looked like there was something left on the table. And, oh, boy, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's got a handle on it for the first four and a half weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, player of the month because he hit 372 with a 459 on base and a 691 slugging.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and any guy who uh, who was the one of the Yankees was close to him for the, for the, that first player of the week, he beat him out. I can't remember the name, and then got hurt. So that's the other thing is he's been healthy. Uh, yeah, he hasn't. I don't. Did he even have the flu that everyone else has had? Uh he did miss a game or two with it yeah. so yeah. So, so even with the flu, it it didn't slow him down. So uh keep it up Matt. We love you. Uh we love you for your defense even though it's not perfect it's still better than Santiago Espinal's. <laughs> oh
1: god. We we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We we <laughs> can keep teasing it but yeah, I mean I I don't know if there's a lot more to say about Chapman. We sort of discussed some of the changes he's made and that they keep working i mean until they don't it's it's hard to i mean like he's not gonna hit 372. Nope. <laughs> that's just not who he is but he's not showing signs that what he's doing is fluky which is always what you want to see
0: yeah i mean i i if he settles into a, a 900 ops i feel like that's possible and it's fantastic uh it is 200 points lower basically than he is right now so that means there's going to be a gully somewhere but, uh, yeah, I mean, this This is a guy who, because of his position and his bat, had MVP-like numbers in Oakland in a park that was much less friendly to hitters than um, the Rogers Center is going to be. So I would love to see it continue. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we started with the good. Now we go to the bad. Okay, the bullpen... The bullpen threw 16 no-hit innings where they issued two walks and struck out, like, I can't remember how many people they struck out. It was more than a K per inning, though, I'm pretty sure.
1: Well, at uh, one point, they struck out 17 of 21 batters, the bullpen.
0: That sounds like a great bullpen, Josh. use <laughs> does. And, and this was a bullpen that was not overtaxed because the second and third time through the rotation, uh, six and seven innings plus out of the starter was common. We didn't really see, you know, Kikuchi fold after four or Barrios get roughed up in in the first three innings or anything like that. So it, it was, you know, last year they had great stretches, but everybody said, well, this is it's great, but you use them for this many innings and you're going to wear them out. And to me, I was like, oh, well, that's not as much of a problem. They should be able to remain a little bit sharper. It doesn't take long for all that to kind of collapse in on itself when you have like three tight games with shorter starter uh, instances in a row, right?
1: Yeah. And that led to some of what we saw in the Barrio start when we're, we're going to discuss some of the managerial decisions in a bit, but you know when with Barrio was so Manoa got knocked out really early. Well, not really early. He went through five in this, in that start against the Mariners. And then the game with the Gossman won one its extra innings. And then Bassett didn't go very deep. And then, Marrios didn't go deep deeper than, but he went deeper than he should have because of the three games that preceded it
0: yeah uh, we'll talk about that in a minute but I did not anticipate how many uh, I, I could see relievers getting roughed up for, for a lot of um, a lot of base runners and that makes life difficult for the manager but it has been a lot of very sudden, very long home runs and then you're kind of like well you can't even manage around that particularly well because the runs are already across the plate by the time you realize your guy has a problem.
1: Right, and then then that's the thing. Like the Jays bullpen had been so good and so dominant for you know, a few weeks. I, I mean, they had some blips here and there, but for the most part, they had been as good as you could ask of someone. You know, like we said, at one point seventeen strikeouts in whatever I said, however many games it was, but they went through a stretch where they gave up six home runs in 11 and a third entering today's game.
0: Um, yeah. And in the Seattle game where they were up uh, was that by six or five or six. Anyway, every reliever who came in gave up a run at least. Yeah. You can't, I mean, as a, again, we'll get to the manager, but you, you really cannot operate that way. Like somebody has to have It (laughs) preferably the last guy you put in, um uh, who you think is your best pitcher, somebody has to have it going for them on a given day. You can't have every reliever fail regardless of what situation you put them in. That's that's a a, you know a failure of execution on their part. You you have to make better pitches.
1: Yeah, like Garcia walking the leadoff batter in the ninth inning, who was the seven hitter, each can't do that. Came around to score with two outs. Right. Like, yeah, there were some plays that led to some extra runs early, but they just pitched very poorly in that in that Seattle game. Like you said, all of them gave up runs. I mean you, know, I, you could say that Richards pitched well overall, but he gave a home run. And same with Bass, he gave up a home run and pop gave up a home run. Like you can't defend against that. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's just like I said, like uh, six home runs in the last eleven and a third from the bullpen, and you, that you're not going to win many games doing that, especially close games, which the Jays have been in. Um, I'm going to give Swanson a
0: pass for his home run in uh, in uh, Boston, though. Uh, at a projected, his his home run was a high fly ball projected at 353 feet. Is that the saddest, yeah. saddest uh, Fenway Park home run of the of? I, it's got to be at least the last couple of years for me. Like really, three hundred. It would it would have gone out in three of of uh of thirty MLB parks, apparently.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: he gets a pass because he gave up a high fly ball to the wrong field. Uh, everybody else, uh, tighten your belts, gentlemen. We we can't just have all these home runs. That's what you just say, right? And then it fixes it. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's how baseball <laughs> works.
0: <laughs> what do you do about um so between barrios kikuchi and manoa what what happens here what what gives um it seems like kikuchi continues to not walk people plus um but that doesn't mean he's been effective uh necessarily his last start and then barrios is is hard to gauge again where when he when he goes bad he goes very bad
1: yeah which is what it was last year too now so kikuchi i mean this is what he's going to be right as long as he's not walking people which no walks in his start against boston (laughs) but as long as he's not doing that for the most part he's going to be quite good as he has been this season he's given up one or fewer runs in four of his six starts but the other two he's given up six and five and just you know sometimes teams will square him up and when they do they're going to hit him hard because his stuff comes in hard and he gives up a lot of hard contact. That's just the way he is. But he's the fifth starter. You sh- what he's giving you, which is why this is in the bad, not the ugly. He had a fantastic start and then a bad one, but he didn't walk anyone. So, and that's just, that's what you you can't ask for him to be great every time out. That's just not his role on this team. It just you know, you mentioned the other two guys. That's where the problem is 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 more is lying a little bit heavier.
0: Yeah, because Barrios continues to have the problem. Uh more or less where once once he gets off track he cannot write the ship. Uh, and well that's that's been Manoa's problem as well. Once he, he is if he hasn't established his mechanics, if he's if he's a little bit wild, it's very difficult for him, it seems, in game to get back on track. And and you know, grinding it out and giving up five runs in five innings is not really helping the team um, in any sense of the word. As much as you may as, as you may love Alec and I'm talking to our listeners out there, and applaud him for his efforts to get through five. Um, he he has to be able to make those adjustments that really great pitchers make, right? We've seen that with, like, a, a Garrett Cole as an example. If he has a rough first inning and you don't score on him, he's probably not going to have a rough second inning because he he's going to know what adjustment he has to make to get back into the mechanics that make him successful.
1: Yeah, and, well, today was really... You know, this was as, as rough as I've seen. He only gave up two earned runs over five, which, maybe five total runs. But the, he doesn't get blamed for the other three because it was just really bad defense. But he's he only got three swings and misses on 103 pitches, and you know, like that's been the problem for him this year. He's just his slider. He hasn't been able to put it in a place that will generate whiffs. And he's not throwing as hard. If you're not doing either of those things, you're relying way too much on balls in play, which he did already, but now it's you, you don't even you're not even able to get that key punch out when you need it necessarily. So it's it's a little worrying in a sense that like it's now been six or seven starts of this, and he needs to figure it out. But I also still believe he will.
0: I am concerned with the velocity sitting between 90 and 93 all of the time, um, when I'm pretty sure 95 to 96 was something he could re- rear back for in his first and second season. Um, it's just like the fact that it's just not there. Now, I don't necessarily think he's injured, but that to me almost seems like mechanically he's not pushing through, right? He's not driving as much as he was previously. Um, and I'm I'm not... You know i'm not here to diagnose it because i am not a pitching expert but it's like you said it's worrying because is it connected to the fact that he can't get the same kind of bite on the slider uh that he did before i i don't know it 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 seems like he's just not as precise and throwing worse uh and i i you know pete walker has not sussed out what's going on or has been able to get alec to correct for it and that's that is a red flag for me. It's gone from yellow flag to red flag. I was I was yellow flag at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, I think the velocity thing might be overstated a touch. Like last year, for example, he you know, when he was untouchable in September, in one of his starts against Boston, the second last one of the season, the last game of the season that he pitched, not not the postseason one, he maxed at 94.1, and he has thrown harder than that in almost all of his starts this year. So the max velocity for him is not usually that high. He has been able to get up to 96, almost 97 in the past, especially early in the season last year, but it's not something that's always there. So while that, I do think the combination of the things could seem like there's definitely something wrong mechanically because the command of the slider is not there and then he's walking guys. Like the command being off suggests there is something off mechanically, which could tie in with the velocity. So that at least is something you could say is fixable. Whereas like what Barrios went through last year and what he's doing so far this year, you can't see anything that explains it. No, I I think Barrios problem
0: is, is predictability. Um, and, and and it's up to, you know, it's up to the the staff and, and, and him to come up with a way to make, uh, to make his, the pitches he does have more more effective again. I, I think guys are know when to sit what with Barrios, and that's why he gets tagged. Um,
1: but why does he have great starts in the middle? That's the thing I don't understand. I'm like, thinking not every team has the same book on him, right? Uh, maybe, but, you know, like the Tampa Bay Rays couldn't hit him, and if there's one team that's more prepared than everybody, it's Tampa. Um, and then Houston. He shut down Houston. Like, these are two of the teams that are known for being – top of the line prep and they couldn't do it so why is boston able to do it (laughs) like i don't really get that uh me either shall
0: we move to the ugly Ooh, i guess we have to uh you have really sloppy play and i mean the the highlight game is the one that i am refusing to watch at the moment (laughs) well i turned it off okay we (laughs) are refusing to watch at the moment (laughs) Four errors is apparently uh, Josh's maximum in, in less than half a game.
1: <laughs> well, and then Anthony Bass coming in and being awful tends to be the, the killer.
0: Mm. Been a lot of he's that.
1: he's awful. He faced four batters, and it went double, ground out, single, off of him, single. And then he was done.
0: <laughs> Death from above time. The old DFA.
1: Um, um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, who are they going to call up? Maybe that's like when Simbers back or when White's yeah, that, back. That's a just
0: yeah. It's when someone but, comes back. Yeah, because I feel but like defense, you You got to keep Nate Pearson up here because he's yeah done nothing wrong.
1: <laughs> no, you, he's one of the only two pitchers who didn't give up a run in the last few, in the, during the losing streak. Him and Mesa, but uh, I mean the defense has just been bad and. You know, Vlad, in this game, I got four errors. One by Kirk, a throwing error. One by Manoa, a throwing error. One by Espinal, a throwing error. <laughs> and and Vlad booted a ball that took a funny hop. But Espinal is the one I kind of wanted to focus on because he made the key error in the Seattle game too where he booted the ground ball that was then Raleigh hit the two-run homer. Espinal really, his value to this team is that he's a good defensive player who won't kill you at the plate. Because he's not a good hitter, but he's not a bad one either. Well, the good defensive part is not there this year. He's already made four errors, and he hasn't really made any kind of, oh my god, Santiago Essenal made a great play kind of thing. He's just been a bad defender, which he can't do that. He needs to be better.
0: Yeah, no, I... 100%. Hundred percent. Uh especially with uh Whit Merrifield at second base, who is fine at second and certainly looks like a, a much more versatile guy at the plate than Espinall does.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean there's no, <laughs> Merrifield should have been in the good section. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I'm down to yeah. the uglies. Just ignore his name down here. He's just he's here for comparison sake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so this is probably going to be the game that's going on right now where Merrifield's on base streak ends just because everything's going wrong in it. <laughs> but as we record this, I'm pretty sure he still has gotten on base in every game of the season. So Mer- Espinall really needs to do the things that he's known for if he wants to play at all. Yeah, and he looked okay
0: when he came back from the contusion uh, on his hand. Was it like three hits in that game?
1: And I was wrong. He didn't, uh, Merrifield didn't get on the game before this. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, he came back and he was great. He had, he had a fantastic day at the plate. But to, yeah, but the fielding, like, the one thing he has to keep consistent is good defense and it hasn't been there at all this year.
0: Um, any, any other sloppiness that we're thinking of? I, 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 the outfield has been great in, in everything I've seen. Um, so that's good. Uh, I was watching, was it Jansen last night? You keep telling me about the low Jansen and the low strike, and it, it is it is rough watching him stab at some of those and cost, <laughs> cost his pitcher. Um, yeah, cost his pitcher a strike or three. Um, this is all probably more painful because the Blue Jays are not getting blown out. Right. This is the big part.
1: This is why all these things matter. The bullpen giving up bombs. Like for example, during today's game, they're down six to three. Like it could get and it could go south really fast. And if that happens, well, you lost and like you were never you haven't been in it for four innings, but they've lost in the tenth, in the ninth, and in the eighth. <laughs> Three losses that they've happened so far. So all these things are magnified.
0: And the games that they've won, they've also uh as as we mentioned, they're the last game they won was that extra inning, one nothing. Um you know, very tight game. So it's kind of like you're leaning on these high leverage pitchers over and over and over again. Cause you don't have a choice. You need to stay in the game because clearly it's winnable. Um, so it would be great to win a blowout. Sometimes it would be great to lose a blowout because then if Jose Barrios gives up another couple of runs in the sixth, so what? But instead, <laughs> the game in Boston that he pitched uh, knowing the bullpen was taxed, knowing he had to get 12 outs out of his bullpen um, John Schneider sent out a very shaky Jose Barrios for the 6th. I have I, is that even a justifiable decision?
1: Well, Bunch
0: of lefties coming up. Tim Mays has already warmed up the inning before because he was, Barrios was on the ropes.
1: So I'd say the answer is probably no. Because but like when you talk about all the games before that, it's somewhat understandable, but because Mesa was warm, no, he should have been in. And like I don't know what so Mesa was at the bottom of our trust thing, so maybe he's there for Schneider because I have no idea why Anthony Bass pitched against the Seattle Lefties in the first, in that in the game they lost. They they brought in Bass because everyone was tired, so we're on to the managing part of the ugly here. <clears throat> they brought in Bass because, yeah, people hadn't pitched, but Mesa had warmed up in that game too, and then Garcia came in after this. So uh, this is the where it's a bad decision for me to face. So he came in to face Kellnick, Raleigh, and uh, was it Teoscar hitting after that? I can't remember who was hitting the four, who was hitting after them, and that's in that point, but maybe Suarez. Anthony Bass against lefties is not the right decision ever. (laughs) Like, especially when you have Meza or Garcia who are been pitching way better than Bass. I just don't know why you have that guy come in to face the heart of the order. Even when you're up three runs, if Garcia is going to pitch anyway, or Meza is going to pitch anyway. I just, I don't get it. There's no defense for it in my opinion. Um, So we have
0: that aspect of the bullpen. Uh, Anything else you want to, Want to scratch your head over on the managing side?
1: No, I mean, there's been some of things like having the Kiermaier bunt. But in that in that one Seattle game that they lost in extra innings, they lead off double from Chapman because that's what he just keeps doing. Pull <laughs> the positive Chappie. back in there. Chappie's awesome. But, uh, and then Kiermeyer comes in and he's asked to bunt. And he popped it up. Brutal. So <laughs> process... I didn't like bunting there to begin with, but execution goes back at the sloppy side because, like, you can't not get that bunt down. Yeah, Especially Kiermaier, like he's the best bunter on the team, <laughs> or Cameron or Barshow.
0: It, it is a strange, a strange thing when, you know, bunting is is sort of treated as a given, and it really isn't because of the amount of the amount of opportunities guys to have to do it in the modern game. It clearly isn't a given. It's it's as much of a risk as you. Why not just hit a, you know, tell them to, to try and hit something to the right side? It, <laughs> you might end up with a hit, and you don't have to worry about about the weird uh, pop-up bunt, or, you know, uh, at least we don't see bunting with two strikes anymore. The the Charlie Montoyo method.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, thank God. That's over. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, just things, little things. Like, I don't think Shiner's a bad manager. I, I tweeted... Oh my god, I hate Twitter sometimes. <laughs> so I tweeted out that, like, that, about the bass thing. I think like it was an in, to me an indefensible decision. And then I got two sets of replies: people saying it's one game; it's like, why well, you're like, oh, you think he should be fired? No. Oh. <laughs> or people saying he needs to be fired. No. <laughs> he made a bad decision. That doesn't reflect yeah. on him as a whole. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it for me,
0: It's uh, I have this in, in my personal life. It's where where, where uh, I'll say to someone, I'm like, well, that was really dumb. And they'll be like, you think I'm stupid? I'm like, no, I, I think you did a dumb thing. It doesn't mean I think you're a dumb person. Anybody can do a dumb thing. But you got to own up to the dumb stuff. You know, you, you have to own up to the mistakes so that you can get better. Um, so, yeah, I think we're just expecting accountability and a non... not not a pattern of making the same thing over and over again, like Charlie Montoyo and bunting with two strikes, which I don't think worked for him ever. And he continued to do it for an entire season, right? I'm hoping John Schneider. figures out. Yeah. I'm hoping John Schneider figures out that Anthony Bass is not your guy uh, at the moment, you know, and, and you need to, you need to switch gears and find a different guy who can do that. Like Nate Pearson, who somehow gave you two innings yesterday. Yep. Um yeah. So that's depressing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, so let's okay, let's end this on the happy note. We're okay, the good, the bad, the ugly, now we're the big Nate. Yeah. You talked about Pearson. Oh my god, is it nice to see him back in the bullpen?
0: <laughs> Popping up 97 to 100 miles an hour.
1: In that game against Boston, so he had the first game, that he, which I was happy to be able to see him pitch in person, which was fun because I like Pearson. But he he had that that first, that game against Boston where he's facing the bottom of the Red Sox order with a runner on third. And he's just like, well, I'm just going to throw fastballs by these people. And he was, and he did it. <laughs> he got two strikeouts. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs>
0: um, <clears throat> the, you know, the amount of swing and miss, miss that is still in this bullpen is already great, and then you put Nate Pearson in there with the confidence to hit the strike zone with a very dominant pitch, and it's it's a good feeling. It really is. I mean, it's just a matter of him getting more experience, and I think I think he's. I don't think he should go back down unless he proves otherwise at this point.
1: Um, yeah, and. Yeah, so he's hit 100 or higher in each of his games. He's only had two, but also in the spring, he hit 100. He, he, he topped over 100. And it's just a different look for this bullpen that, you know, it's like there's guys that throw hard sometimes, like Pop or Romano, but Pearson throws hard all the time. And, you know, there are fans who you know, are down on Nate Pearson because of his injury issues. But as a reliever in the major leagues, do you want to, do you know what Nate, what Nate Pearson's line is? Uh, I, 17 and a third innings. I assume it's, it's more than a K per inning. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to throw his playoff start against the Rays in there too, because it's the sample size is so low here. 19 and a third innings. 31 strikeouts. <laughs> 8 walks, which is high but not bad, not with 31 and, strikeouts. <laughs> and yeah, and four earned runs. For an ERA of 1.86 with a 39% strikeout rate. Well, and his his walk minus K is is still pretty impressive. Yeah, 29% is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me some so, give me some Nate Pearson yeah just like don't send him down i don't care what happens when simber's back or when
0: white gets called up
1: yeah sure because white's he's in his rehab he has to be back up in two weeks or get cut pearson can't go back down unless he starts struggling because he has literally never struggled in the major league bullpen and it's awesome to watch him here sounds good
0: Alright, uh, we're going to come back in a couple of minutes, uh, or slightly less, with questions from you fine folk. Oh, and we're back. And I, I'm feeling feeling slightly better because i've you know the chance to get that off your chest in this format is good for me but i'm still not feeling great but maybe your questions will cheer me up further
1: time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly
0: here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question Now, how does that sound sweetheart could you repeat the question please we have a few questions, and uh, I believe we have a few answers for you, is the way this works. Um, the first one I see here is from Blue Jays Rat Girl at Ellie Ellie Hart.
1: It's actually an old one from last week, but we'll get it back to that. Okay. If you had to dump Brandon Belt today, who's his replacement? Oh boy. Um, it's tough because most of the Jays, the guys that you'd want to be getting regular at bats in the major leagues, like. Maybe Otto Lopez or Addison Barger. They're not hitting. I think Spencer Horowitz maybe is the guy because one he gives you that ability to spell Vlad at first because he's an outfielder first baseman who came up as a first baseman. It was and he switched to the outfield because of the presence of Vlad. And he's hitting. He's hitting two ninety six with a four forty one on base and a four thirty two slugging. He doesn't have much power really to speak of. He's, he's a mildly his a minorly kind home runs is twelve and He's never been a guy known for power, but he takes walks and he makes contact enough. Like I think if they had to get rid of Belt, I don't think they're going to because, boy, he's been bad. But if they had to, I think that's the guy they'd have to go to right now. Fair. Um... So the question from Matt Holiday at Holiday08Matt. After seeing the highlight of Beau Bouchette hitting the foul ball mesh several times, is it time that the Jays install a real foul pole? It's very unsatisfying seeing a ball hit a mesh pole. Is it a, is it a pole if it's mesh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm...
0: I'm in, can't you see the mesh move? Isn't that, like, a good idea?
1: Yeah, and I also think that the width of the, of the mesh, which you can't do really with a pole, Because it blocks too many people's view. It makes it easier to tell if something goes on one side or the other of the of the foul pole. So I have no problem with what they currently have up there.
0: Yeah, we can put in a satisfying ping sound effect later for you if you want. I have all a whole soundboard here.
1: Oh, I'm so for that, Greg. (laughs) Just we just post (laughs) highlights with unusual
0: sound effects when the ball lands. All, all the, what, all 150 Blue Jays home runs this year with a with an odd sound effect when the ball makes contact with something. Um, ball her official at baseball her. Uh, Manoa is not making any friends on opposing teams. Are we the baddies?
1: Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, no, because the Jays are really just a, a fun-loving team but no i can i can see rubbing some people the wrong way sometimes he's but so he's we're the baddies until he starts backing it up on the field
0: all right so we are the baddies at the moment because of his current struggles but as soon as he can justify his fronting then everything's cool again okay noted minor leaguer at minor underscore leaguer uh new member of the team Uh, the the group the family Uh, friend of the podcast we have to come up with a consistent term for me to use Uh, asks how have your (laughs) how have your blue jays reliever trust rankings changed since last pod uh this is the thing we probably need to make into a maybe a buy podcast feature because
1: i don't feel like doing this every every week (laughs) it seems yeah if you're if you're updating your reliever trust rankings every week i think that's the definition of reactionary
0: (laughs) i mean we've we've been accused of that in the past i'm sure by someone somewhere Big Nate um, at
1: the top. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, it's not I, accurate, but I'm going to say it anyway.
0: I feel like just this one time I'm putting Swanson above Jordan Romano. Just, yeah, totally just fair. To, Just to light a fire under Jordan to get his, his stuff together here and start start striking guys out with more authority. Um, the rest of it, I mean, Anthony Bass is obviously at the bottom for both of us, right? Yes. And And other than that, they've all been... Had a disaster moment, so uh, just grab them, grab grab all of them in a in a big dice cup, and just roll them out, and where they land, that's where we trust them this week. Sure, Colleen Evans, uh, Colleen Evans six. Uh, I used to under think I understood what a balk was. Well, see, there's your first mistake, Colleen. <laughs> um, uh, but this year it seems like the definition has changed. Why was Pavetta who balked in a run in, in the game? because the Red Sox are also a sloppy team. Why was Pavetta just charged with a bach? I did not see the Pavetta bock. You're going to have to take this one.
1: Yeah, balks are, <laughs> I mean, they basically basically come down to deceiving the runner. I, the only thing I can possibly think of with that Pavetta one is that he changed the timing of his leg movement on his, he was pitching from the full. So he, he stepped back and sort of came back at a different pace, but it really didn't look like a balk to me. I was very surprised to see that it was one. <laughs> So just as baffled as you. Sorry, can't, can't send any light on this one.
0: I believe there is a John Bois tweet, uh, which includes the Bach rules, which pretty much sum up the the fact that nobody really knows what a Bach is until the umpire calls one. Um, I mean, obviously there are, there are egregious examples, but there's lots of subtle things that uh, a little twitch here or a little hop there and all of a sudden uh, it's a Bach. It's, it's hilarious. And for you specifically, Josh, also from Colleen, what is your review of the new outfield renovations at the Dome?
1: I have A plus. I think they look fantastic. I think it gives it more of a baseball park feel as opposed to just seats, which it's been forever. And it gives people a place to watch a game from a different angle and with a different atmosphere. And that's something that a lot of parks around the around the league have. They have you know different areas for that are social different areas that are you know for just watching the game and then I do think that adds to the fan experience and then the bullpen stuff is great I love it I love how as long as until something bad like legitimately happens I'll love it when that happens I'll hate it but you know Joe Joe Kelly called it the best bullpen in the league and I think he was just referring to literally the the atmosphere that's created it's a great for the blue Jays. <laughs> I love it. I, I, that's all I can say. It's just really, really good. I think
0: interestingly, um, the amenities as well, if, if they went through all of the, you know, the washroom they have, and then the, uh, the space underneath and all the other things they, it everything they did with these renovations seemed, uh, for the team to be really thought out with the, with the actual players comfort in mind, which, when you think about like old ballparks, they were literally the opposite of that. Um, there's there's all kinds of strange strange things about the visitors' clubhouse, or the fact that there's no you know no heat in the dugout, or that the sun shines a certain way, or whatever. So it's nice to see that um, that it's it's not just nice for the fans to be right over top of the bullpen, but it's also nice for the players to have a more comfortable way to get organized uh, back there. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, uh, that rolls us into the end of said podcast, uh, except for uh, an opportunity for you to give me your final thought.
1: Yeah, so you sort of started getting into it when you talked about uh, putting Eric Swanson at the top of your trust rankings. How did the Mariners not use this guy much in the postseason? I don't get it. Holy crap, he's good. And I <laughs> gave up that cheap home run against the Red Sox, but he just strikes everybody out. It's amazing. Okay. Oh, by the way, I have to give kudos to Schneider for one managing decision. In that extra inning game, rather than going to Swanson in the eighth, he held him back and used him in the tenth as the strikeout artist with the runner on second base. And he struck out three batters (laughs) because that's what Eric Swanson does. I don't understand. I, I, I get that the stuff visually isn't that impressive, but He maximizes it. He has the best spin efficiency in the game, by which I mean he gets the most movement out of his spin, and then he marries it with this diving splitter, and people just don't hit him. He's given up, you know, yeah, like he gave up the home run. Okay, it happens. He gave up a home run against, I think it was the Angels. Three runs in 14 innings with 20 strikeouts i'll take that every time from a reliever no i don't care when he's pitching i'll take it absolutely um my thought is i'm I'm trying to think
0: of a way that i can just watch the offensive half of the jays games and put like maybe a little card over my tv where the score bubble is so that i can enjoy just them scoring and not think about all of the bad things that can happen when when they're on defense and I'm 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 thinking of maybe maybe we could like edit games so you don't ever hear the score, so you just you just get to enjoy the Jays batting for nine innings, and we you put it in a compilation at the end of the week, and you can just kick back
1: relax you get to see vlad hit a 450 foot home run over the monster sure i love it feels great right these are my yeah, kind of high times <laughs> our podcast will just be called the good and then it'll be 10 <laughs> minutes long <laughs> i like it oh
0: man to not acknowledge the pain would be fun fundamentally better than what's going on right now
1: maybe we didn't fall- have that power greg we could have just literally talked only about the good <laughs>
0: <laughs> then I, I would have no catharsis. It would, it would just be nothing there. So I hope That's all of,
1: it's for us, not you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I hope all of you have joined us in uh, in commiserating together, and uh, maybe next week we won't have such a dismal report about just about everything. I have been your host, Greg with News Coolhead 2010, and you have been Joshua Houseman, the Joshua Houseman. And this has been episode number 267 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we'll talk at you next week.